0: This is a Geek Bro Podcast. What's up, besties? This is episode 47 of Child at Best with Mike Valdez, and I am still the second part of that title. I hope you're staying safe and well during this time. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I am so excited about today's episode. Today's episode is Joel Byers. Joel is an Atlanta based stand up comedian, and he is also the host of the Hot Breath podcast. He interviews stand up comedians every week about the craft and about how they come up with certain jokes. And he's had amazing comedians on there, from Shane Torres, Ron Funches, Mark Normand, Jeremiah Watkins. The list goes on and on. So many great comedians. If you're a fan of comedy, this is just one of the best podcasts out there. And we do talk a little bit about that on this episode. Another thing that we talk about is his stand-up comedy special, Trophy Husband, which you can find on joelbyerscomedy.com. And we get to talking about that and how that was made as well. This is such a fun episode. I'm so inspired by Joel and grateful that he gave me his time to be on the show. Just a little bit of a forewarning. We did record this over Zoom. I'm still trying to figure out how to get the best quality of audio out of Zoom, but that's why it sounds a little bit like a phone call. But hey, if you're anything like me, you've already skipped through this intro, and you're just going to complain in the comments, so I'll see you in the comments. But honestly, the quality of the conversation outshines all of that, and I really think you guys are going to love this episode. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Joel Byers. You know, it's funny because I've been following what you're doing through Hot Breath and all that kind of stuff, and it's so interesting how like there's a lot of people who would say that this is kind of making their work a little bit more difficult, but I think you're working more than I've ever seen you.
1: I mean, yeah, I've <laughs> really it, it's kind of it's been helpful in terms of like, well, there's no need to be pursuing bookings because nobody right. knows when that's coming back. So I've really shifted all my energy into just oh let's book guests and yeah. let's double down on the podcast and you know i'm really trying to do a lot in that facebook group are you a member of the i am yeah absolutely okay, yeah yeah so yeah i'm trying to do a lot in that and just cultivating the community of the podcast so really just throwing all my energy into the podcast and it seems to be working yeah guys.
0: i'm a real big fan of the hot breath podcast yeah. and all that stuff so we like to roll in um, in this whole thing. So I'm just going to ask you the first
1: question that I usually ask all of my guests. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Somerville, Georgia. It was like Mayberry with meth okay. and a small town in North Georgia. I was born there and then kind of moved to a place called Dallas, Georgia or in first grade. Wow. And uh, then just kind of slowly got closer and closer to Atlanta, which is where I live now.
0: Yeah. It's funny because my sister went to Rome, Georgia. and oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. Georgia is just so lenient with what they named their towns.
1: <laughs> ah. <laughs> like Rome, Georgia. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, that is weird. I, I lived in Rome, Georgia, and then Dallas, Georgia. Yeah. What are the odds? It's like, yeah, Rome, Somerville is like a, a town within Rome. so It's exactly. all in the same town. It's all in Chautauqua. Yeah. County. Oh, my <laughs> God. I'm so glad I
0: escaped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of a kid would you say that you were growing up in school? Like, who did you sit with at the lunch table? That kind of a thing.
1: I was always able to adapt to my surroundings. Like, I was always kind of friends with everyone. Yeah. I think because I maybe changed school several times that I was kind of forced to adapt to whatever social environment I'm in. So I was always just, my mom always kind of instilled in me, you know, rooting for the underdog, being nice to everyone and really making everyone feel welcome. And I kind of instilled empowered, in how I would socialize as a kid growing up, which was kind of the more, the funny kid, you know, I was voted wittiest in high school and- okay. I'd always wanted to be a comedian. So I was always kind of the kid that, in group projects, I was the kid that kept everyone distracted with laughing. So they didn't notice how much I wasn't working. Right. That yeah. was me.
0: I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So being a comedian came to you at a very pretty young age, you would say, or wanting to be,
1: at least. Yeah, wanting to be was something I always wanted to do, but I didn't decide until, you know, I was about to graduate college. And, figured hey might as well try it and then from then on that's just my entire mindset right i'm a comedian now and so
0: what were the things that you that inspired you growing up as far as like movies television all that pop culture stuff
1: oh my gosh, the the comedy special that made me want to become a comedian was uh sinbad's afros and bell bottom i remember such a great special (laughs) (laughs) i love it dude i am hunting sinbad to get him on my podcast yeah because he's the one where i watched and was like wow that looks fun yeah and he was like clean and he had a lot of energy and it was like wacky his outfits you know it's just (laughs) like it just it made stand-up look fun and it just been it hadn't been done any other way before he really had a unique Voice in comedy, and I think that's why it resonated and still resonates with me. Sure. And then from there, you know, like Mitch Hedberg, Kevin James with the small stuff. Yeah. I remember seeing that in middle school and was like, "Yo, this is killer." Mm-hmm. I remember watching a lot of like the Comedy Central hour specials in middle school, especially, and talking with my buddy Lee Van Gilder, who actually won Wittiest in Middle School. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't bitter. I wasn't bitter. <laughs> but I was rooting to win, but he actually won. But uh, I'm trying to think of movies. Old school was a big one. I remember watching old school freshman year okay. of high school, going to see that in theaters and just being blown away with just how absurdly funny that was. I remember my friend Stephen Fine, who I'm still friends with to this day. He's like my Larry David to my Seinfeld. Like, sure. he's He's out in L.A., We're holding it down on each coast, but we're definitely going to be combining forces sooner than later. And we, he downloaded old school on, uh, Kaza or Kaza, right? Whichever group you were in there, (laughs) but he downloaded it. It was a real GIF GIF thing. Yeah, it really, it was before. Exactly. (laughs) It probably took two weeks to download, but we just watched it (laughs) repeatedly. We just watched that movie on repeat. We would fall asleep to it. We'd wake up to it like, That was a big movie in terms of us seeing just what's possible within that space. And I've always been a fan of comedy. I always have just been naturally attracted to it, regardless of really what it was or who was in it. I always just enjoyed watching comedy.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. Here's something about myself is uh I, I grew up in a very conservative Christian home and all that kind of stuff. So I basically didn't watch many things or any or anything really until like I was in college for the most part. Unless like I snuck things around and you know, but my, my rebellion was very tame. You know what I mean? Like my yeah, rebellion yeah, yeah. was like I saw the Matrix when I was a <laughs> senior in high school. You know, like, <laughs> my rebellion was watching Harry Potter when I was a freshman in college. Like, you know, like, that wow, kind of stuff.
1: Sorcery. Yeah. Ooh.
0: <laughs> sorcery. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny because you say things like, you were talking about Sinbad, and Sinbad is was huge in this house. Because, like he was that like clean comedian who everybody loves man like like if you don't like him like you just don't have a soul i i think you know
1: still so funny of course man
0: absolutely were you a fan of his movies and stuff like when he was protecting the president's
1: kid and stuff oh yeah yeah i loved all of his movies jingle all the way yeah him and Jingle All the Way was just legendary. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, the Cherokee kid, I think it's an under 81 where he's a cowboy. Like, yeah, that is a good yeah, one. I, I, yeah. I was definitely a fan and he did. He could do everything. I know. Yeah. He could do everything. And he's, he started a podcast with his son called a uh, blurred empire. And so that he'll talk a lot of behind the scenes stuff on there with his son and his son will just kind of set him up to be like, what was this like? And then just let him run that whole experience. Like it's, he's, he was a utility player. He could do everything. Right. Yeah. I completely what I agree. Too. Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely, I, uh, A big one for for us was House Guest, that movie. You remember that movie with Phil I Hartman? Didn't and him?
1: see that one. Yeah, I I just heard them talking about it on their podcast, and I was like, I need to see that because Phil Hartman is a genius.
0: Gosh, I would say I that's know. probably the best of the Sinbadiverse in in movies. Really? At least. Yeah. Okay. It, I need he to check plays it out. he plays probably the closest to who he is on stage in that movie, and it's just so awesome and just hilarious like there's no real way to describe it but yeah him and phil hartman are just great plus like one of the kids from the sandlot was in it
1: so it's great you know i've got to see it (laughs) yeah i've got to see it
0: yeah it's it's a real good one so just to move on into our next bit what were your favorite
1: snacks growing up dude when i saw that you had cereal on this (laughs) show dude When I tell you I'm a serial killer,
0: okay? Don't,
1: oh, dude. <laughs> well,
0: first of all, let me tell you this: it, I am. I'm like my cheeks are so rosy with with embarrassment of the that you know what my podcast is and that we what? have cereal on here. It's of amazing. course not man. embarrassment, but just like oh shucksness, you know. I I'm love a fan
1: it. of any anyone that's doing stuff. You know what I mean? Of like, course, if you're out here. You're doing something consistently. I'm a fan. If we're keeping it comedy centered but anyone in general i'm a fan of anyone who's willing to put in consistent work towards something the fact you reached out and you have multiple episodes and they're well produced and you have cereal <laughs> i was like <laughs> dude that was my jam and my mom wouldn't let us have like the sugary cereals oh up. same you are preaching to the choir right now
0: <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you not celebrate halloween either <laughs> yes it we, was we didn't it was you? harvest in our house <laughs> halloween's the devil's birthday
1: everyone knows that (laughs) yep exactly we never had like the sugary cereals much we would have like corn flakes which means joel makes it glazed flakes (laughs) where he just douses it in sugar and then drinks like this sugar soup at the end of it yeah dude that was cereal was my jam and it still is like at I can't keep it around the house or I'll just eat all of it. I'll just sit there and eat all of it. Like, it must be like some suppressed childhood emotion that anytime I see a box of cereal, I have to eat all of it before breathing again. (laughs) So it's it's my favorite snack and vice, if you will.
0: Okay. Well, I again preacher choir that's definitely my <laughs> vice as well like a lot of people would would say like oh heroin's difficult like for me it's just corn pops like i don't really yeah. know
1: <laughs> you all know. of it dude yeah. yeah it's
0: all good what are just out of curiosity what are some of like your
1: must-have favorites my favorite is golden grams because Of how it all, it like clumps together very well. So Mm -hmm. you can get a lot in one bite and it tastes so good. It's not overbearingly sweet. Like, you know, lucky charms are good when you're ready to hate yourself. But if you just want to ease into the cereal, golden grams, the perfect amount of sweet and texture. There's always golden grams. I don't mind. Like just an OG, like Cheerios or cornflakes now, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be overly bearingly sweet. I don't drown it in sugar anymore. Right. But, uh, kicks. Yeah. Was a good one. That would be our splurge. If kicks is in the house, you know, mama was feeling feisty that right. weekend. Right. He was yeah. letting the kids run wild.
0: Yeah. I always thought, uh, if you've seen Donald Glover's Weirdo, he has a joke about kicks and it's like the, the most perfect joke have you heard it I
1: haven't I'm aware of it but I haven't seen it
0: so he uh, he has a joke about kicks where he's like kicks is the hand job of cereals because <laughs> it's good but you know what I really want <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, that's because so it's only a little cons- sweet you know? <laughs> yeah it is just enough it's a gateway yeah
0: it is a gateway absolutely yeah. to where like you know cinnamon toast crunch which i talk about this on stage is the lsd of cereal
1: <laughs> you oh know? yeah dude if you eat it eat it in a um a cup so then you just have the milk you can just drink like, oh yeah crisp Oh, absolutely. That, that's that straight drop there, though. <laughs> that's the
0: concentrate, dude. That's, that. <laughs> that's
1: the shatter. Yeah, it's that's so you're doing Dabs of cereal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, every episode of this podcast, I like to review a box of cereal with my guest, as you know. Yeah. And I usually like to get a cereal that has something to do with my guest in some way, shape, or form. So, I talked to my sponsors over at Funco. Now, by sponsor, I mean that I like them and I buy all their products. And by spoke to, I mean that I tweeted them repeatedly and they didn't get back to me. So, Yeah. Yet. (laughs) Yeah. The cereal that I got for you is vacation clark griswold cereal yeah oh i love it so this is the reason why i got it for you joel i would say clark griswold is the original trophy husband (laughs) (laughs) and just for the listener joel has an amazing comedy special called trophy husband Yes, and I wanted to bring it back to the OG
1: <laughs> with oh, Clark dude, Griswold. You are so right. He is the trophy to my husband. He really, <laughs> was the, he's the trophy, the spark to of all of it. I'm just staring <laughs> at the box. I'm salivating. Now yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, un- unfortunately, since we're Zoom conferencing, this is the only way we're going to be able to review
1: the cereal. We not, not. can't I'm eat start it together. Scratching my neck. I'm be a bit of that
0: <laughs> it starts to give you like a rash. <laughs> yeah. You
1: <know>? yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So oh. as you can see there's these green Os that are right here mm-hmm. comes with a cereal prize which is a lost art form in my opinion for sure did you have
1: cereal prizes and stuff like that growing up I don't ever remember like having many cereal prizes like I don't remember like cornflakes or any of those really having cereal prizes
0: Man you want to hear something nuts I talked to my mom and she was like Oh, the cereal prize when I was growing up was a forty-five vinyl record, and I was like, "What? They just put forty-fives in cereal boxes? This is crazy!"
1: Now it's a choking hazard. Now it's just a (laughs) toy kids can choke on.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So if we uh, if we turn it to the back right here, uh, it has the Griswold house that is now a maze. Classic Um, game
1: on the box. Yeah,
0: it's a really good box of cereal now. It would be fun to review the cereal, Joel, but it would be way more fun to review the cereal as Clark Griswold. <laughs> Why not review oh it God. as the person on the box? <laughs> and granted, uh, when I edit this all together, there's going to be music behind it. It's going to be amazing. Uh, OK, good. That'll yeah. make it
1: funny because I don't know how I'm going to do this.
0: But well, You know what? It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're a comedy podcast. If it's bad, it's funny. So (laughs) Ah! (laughs) There's really no way of losing here. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, man, whenever you're ready and as best as you possibly can with the information that I've given you, you can review Mm -hmm. this serial
1: as Clark Griswold. Getting a character here. Merry Christmas, everyone! This is Clark Griswold here to tell you about our new special Christmas gift. Last year was Christmas lights and flaming sleds. This year, sugary cereal. Are you tired of your cats jumping on the tree, yanking it down, setting your house on fire? Well, get your kids high on sugar so they'll do it instead. We have these gorgeous green O's that you can start throwing at your Trash cousin who throws up in his RV. You can use these sprinkled all around the front door. So when they try to sneak up and ruin your Christmas, you hear that crunch of Christmas past <laughs> and learn to not answer the door ever again. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone! Ha, ha, ha. I love it. That's
0: so good, Clark Griswold cereal, ladies and gentlemen. Thank they you, said it couldn't you. be done. They were probably right, and we did it. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, my god! Showed
1: you, haters. Showed you.
0: Man, that that impression started off my favorite way to start off an impression. Hi, I'm whoever I'm impersonating. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> you just have to. That's what SNL does a lot exactly. of times. <laughs> exactly. They're like, so, oh, now I know who they are. Okay. <laughs> I, all I needed was my hat, and that would have nailed it.
0: <laughs> this episode of Childlike at Best with Mike Valdez is brought to you by The Crunch Cup. Save time in the morning by taking your cereal on the go. Simply add cereal to the inner cup, milk into the outer cup, screw on the lid, and you're ready to crunch. Eat cereal in the car, at your desk, or anywhere else you want. Go to thecrunchcup.com to purchase what I think is a genius invention and use the discount code MikeValdez10. That's Mike, M-I-K-E, Valdez, V-A-L-D-E-S, the number 10, to save 10% off of your order. You can also sign up for their monthly giveaway to win a year's supply of cereal. So what are you waiting for? Go to thecrunchcup.com and use promo code MikeValdez10 to save 10% off of your order. The Crunch Cup. It's better than spooning. This episode of Childlike at Best with Mike Valdez is brought to you by Real Good Foods. I am so excited to announce that Real Good Foods has launched their very first dessert item. Ice Cream Real Good Ice Cream is the first ever super premium, better for you ice cream. It's extra creamy, so there's no icy or chalky texture like other light ice creams, making it a real ice cream experience with real ingredients. Only 180 calories and 4 grams of sugar per serving. Real Good ice cream is sweetened by using allulose, which isn't like regular sugar. It's a naturally occurring rare sweetener found in figs, dates, and maple syrup. Ultimately, it has one-tenth the calories of cane sugar, which means it won't spike your blood sugar levels. Real Good ice cream comes in a variety of flavors, and starting today, they can be found at realgoodfoods.com and The Vitamin Shop. And guess what? Real Good Foods is giving all Childlike at Best listeners a discount code that'll make us all scream for ice cream. Visit realgoodfoods.com, choose as many of your favorite items, and use promo code BESTIE at checkout. That's B-E-S-T-I-E at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Real Good Foods. Keep it real. But just to move on, I want to move on into comedy and what you're doing now. I know, having seen your special and all that, that you've you released your special trophy husband on your ten year anniversary, your comedy anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing. But I want to know about the day one. I want to know what was the inspiration to start that day
1: one. If you, of comedy? if you could elaborate, yeah, of comedy, yeah. Oh yeah, man! It was an open mic. I went to school right outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. They had a club there called Side Splitters. Oh I know um, side splitters. Yeah, so there's one in Tampa and there used to be one in Knoxville. I did the open mic there in front of about five people. Two of them were the staff, so I don't know why they're closed now. <laughs> but it was it was um like a typical open mic well maybe not typical open mic experience. I was fortunate enough to do it in a comedy club and I didn't bomb. I mean but I didn't kill. I just remember people politely smiling. <laughs> but As soon as I did that, like as soon as I got off stage, it was almost just like I had lifted the veil or I took the blue pill. If you want to call back to Matrix, like as soon as as soon as I hit the stage once, I knew exactly what I was doing with the rest of my life. I would have dropped out of school if it wasn't second semester of like my senior year. I was ready to quit school and just pursue comedy full time. But I did finish the drill. And they didn't. And I graduated. And that club would do open mics like once or twice a month. One of them, it was on a Wednesday. I think once a month, you actually had to pay to get stage time, and you got like a free drink or and like uh, chicken wings that just you know made you perform at your best. You know, stale chicken wings from a failing comedy club.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: but i did as much as possible i absorbed as much as possible always learning uh reading books uh listening to various um my mom sent me um steve martin's book born standing up
0: Yep.
1: and i listened i had that the audio book of that that he reads which is a must reader here for any comic that book yeah especially
0: because he redoes his bits so that's really nice. Oh
1: my god. He's, <laughs> and he's yeah, he's like my number one like people ask me like my favorite comedian. He's probably my favorite just because he not only is versatile in terms of well, he's an amazing stand-up and he's an amazing banjo player and he's an amazing writer and actor and director. But um, he's also the first comic that took stand-up to the arena level. Like Oh yeah. He was he's the first comic that really put comedy in the business of comedy at that level where you're selling out arenas. Yeah, so the first really rock and roll comedian, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I studied him, you know, and I had joke writing books. And it was just nonstop learning as much as humanly possible. Just to get back to Atlanta where I moved back in with mom at first, you know, because college. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, you can hear all about college in my comedy special. I have a whole thing about it being a Ponzi scheme and a four-year yeah. vacation from home before you move back in. <laughs> it's a whole thing. But I got material out of it. So that's, that's a positive. Of course. But that grind early on is like I was a dishwasher. I was waiting tables. I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car at one point, which means I'm working all day and then out all night at comedy shows and just repeat, you know, five, oh, yeah. six days a week, up all night at comedy shows, out all during the day, working in a prize, just in a cycle. And that's part of that early grind for comics. And the number one piece of advice I have gotten starting out, and it still rings true today from over 200 comedians I've interviewed, all the way from me hearing a feedback in an open mic to interviewing Cedric the Entertainer is you have to get on stage as yeah. a comedian. You have to get on stage as much as possible, so that's what I did. I was looking for any stage anywhere, whether that be a comedy club, a strip club, sidewalks. You know, I performed anywhere, anyhow, in front of anyone. And luckily, Atlanta had shows multiple nights a week that I could get up at. But I was just—I'm telling you—as soon as I did that first open mic, it—it it was. I, I was just. This is what I'm doing now. Yeah, there's no turning back and that's really where it all started with trying it once getting itching that back like the back of my brain where i was like i should be a comedian but why would i do or who am i to do that but as soon as i did it that back of the brain became like my entire reality and i haven't looked back since
0: that's amazing man i i love that i have somewhat of a similar story i you know when i started i started in los angeles and i kind of fell into it backwards mm. um mm. because technically you know and it makes a lot of sense uh to a stand-up who sees me on stage they're, they're like oh you're an actor right and i'm like yeah so ah! <laughs> so like that's because really a lot of, and i'll and i'll be the first to tell you because it's just the truth the reason why i write setups or anything is just to give a reason to the stupid thing i'm gonna do for three minutes <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I just love, I love being silly. Like, that's really what I like doing. But yeah, I, I fell into it backwards. And it's so funny how you were talking about, like, working at Enterprise and working in all these places. Man, I was working at, on on Hollywood Boulevard. And not, not to mention, I started in L.A., so everyone's mm. the best. You know, oh so it's either gosh. get good or get out. You know, like that right. kind of thing. And it yeah. did the opposite effect for me where where most people would be like, everyone's too good. And I was just like, no, man, I want to be as good as these people. And it just made me fight. Like, And I just wanted to fight and fight and fight. So I definitely can see where you're coming from when it comes to that, for sure. So yeah. there's a question that you that you have on your podcast for Every Comedian that is great, which is, what is your biggest bomb story? And I don't know if I've ever heard yours, <laughs> so I would oh, love yeah. to hear... A, a bomb story
1: or stories. Oh if- yeah, I mean, it. Uh, and I do always ask my guests this just because everyone bombs. You know, everyone yeah. has a show. I mean, everyone has several shows where it just doesn't go your way. And I've been doing comedy 10 years now, so I have several. But I mean, I've there's a club here in Atlanta called Taboo. It was a nightclub. I was sharing the stage with couches and hookahs. Wow. I don't know why I bombed. Yeah. But it, it was called Taboo and I got booed right. at Taboo. Yeah. And it, it, it came down to me just like not connecting with the audience, me just like talking at them, you know, young comic mistake. And it started out with me just going up there, doing my silly material, whatever it was at the time. And then it's just quiet. And then, you know, it, it, it's still quiet. And then I kind of hear some rustling. And then in the back left corner, I remember just hearing a lady just go boo. <laughs> and then I was, and I kind of looked, but I just kept going, just doing material, not even addressing the moment. What's happening? Then I hear over in the right corner, a boo. And then they slowly start to get closer and closer, filling up the room. So the whole room is booing me. This, this was a good experience though, because it forced me. To be real and in the moment, because what I then did, I didn't get off stage and be like, yeah, you're right. I started booing them back. And then I actually sat down on the couch and was like, I still have three more minutes. So we're just going to boo through this together. (laughs) And that actually made them stop booing. That's so funny. Now, it's
0: kind of a substitute teacher way of looking at it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to sit here and boo with you until we stop. <laughs>
1: I it, it, I remember the lesson being yeah, be in the moment with the audience yeah. and react to what's happening because mm-hmm. I mean a lot of young comics, it is like I'm getting this five minutes out regardless of yeah. what happens. Word for word. So it's important to be more flexible on stage. But the only way you're going to get more flexible on stage is by being on stage a lot more. And yeah. Just getting confident and more comfortable on stage. And part of that growing process is getting booed or bombing and being okay with it. So that's I mean that's one of several. Just getting booed at taboo. You know what I mean uptown comedy corner. Shut the lights off on me Ugh. one night. You know I I did a show on um, a public bus and the bus driver yelled at me to sit down. So I'm doing sit down comedy on a public bus. Uh, just yelling. Like a crazy person on public transit. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many because like coming up in the, in like the open mics and on the hustle, you know, I'm doing multiple shows every single night. I am out every single night. And if I'm not on stage, I'm at a comedy club studying the headliner that weekend. Like I submersed myself in comedy for years and years and years. And I'm still a student. You know, I mean, my podcast is all about learning about comedy. So yeah. I'm still trying to learn as much as possible. But along the way, there's going to be some bombs, and that really weeds out people. You know, comedy is booming right now, so a lot of people think they can do comedy. But the reality of comedy is 11 p.m. show, you have to sit there for an hour and a half waiting for your three-minute spot that you then bomb and then have to be up in five hours to your day job. Are you willing to do that?
0: Yeah, that's so true, man. Mm-hmm. And and so to kind of go to the other side of the pendulum, I kind of want to know about some of your best stories. What are mm. tell me about the times where you were just like this is it? This is what I've been doing this for.
1: Yeah, oh, I just got goosebumps thinking about this one. That this, this was, is going to be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> this was maybe 3 years in. This was just a moment where I realized I'm on the right path. I'm on the right track. Like I, I am supposed to be doing this. It's like three years of that grinding paid off on this show where I did, I did a church show in front of 1800 people. And, um, it just went like everything worked, like first line to last line, everything worked. 1800 people, dude. Like, The laughter you get from that many people and how it rolls like you can hear in some jokes, a joke start on the left side and then it it kind of fills the room as the laugh spreads. I can still like see the room and hear the laughter of just that wave of laughter you get from that many people. Everything works. And it was that moment of like, oh, I was in the zone. I felt it. And then the guy that actually booked me for that, his name's Griff. He's a morning radio DJ with a uh, get up Erica Campbell. He's actually the efficient at my wedding as well, where he actually booed me. <laughs> he booed me at my own wedding because I was crying so much that he actually ended up booing me. Uh, but that story's in the comedy special. That, that story's in the comedy special. Y'all can go get that to hear the full story, but that was really the show in front of that many people. And it went so well that I was like, Oh, I am on the right track. This is worth all the work. And that's what's so crazy is in comedy, we're all chasing those shows. Like there was probably a show a little bit sooner than that. I did it like an open mic at a comedy club that was connected to a go part track, you know, one of those. Sure. <laughs> and I was opening up with like mustache jokes. I used to have a mustache, you know, and I remember every single joke hit. It was just one of those, you know, sometimes you just catch it. You just catch that wave and everything is clicking. I remember that show being one where I was like, oh, this is working. Every show up to that point had been kind of like, okay, we're we're staying consistent like we're supposed to be. We're on stage and we're writing and we're showing up. But that was the show where I was like, oh, these jokes are killing. And then they never work again, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But we all have those shows. We're all like chasing that dragon of like that next big one. I think it's what keeps us up at 11, am grinding out at open mics because we're chasing that next big show. Yeah, And that church show was really the one that's like, this can be more than just a comedy club show at a go-kart track. Or this can be more than a coffee shop open mic like, that you're yelling over the the barista grinding coffee beans like this is like a a tangible and feasible career that you can entertain thousands of people at once
0: yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. have you by any chance have you seen crashing the HBO show yeah yeah oh yeah 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 I talk about this all the time but there's a scene in season one or two I I forget but he does a an alt room and he's doing (laughs) his jokes and his jokes are just like are doing really well. And he says into the microphone, he goes, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just not used to people laughing. Yeah, and dude. I can't tell you how many times I watch that scene and I just burst into tears because I've had that feeling. I've mm-hmm. had that feeling before where it's just like you you go sometimes weeks, sometimes months, not even thinking you're funny and you're yep. still doing it. Because you're yeah. just like,
1: if I don't, then what else do I have? And I think it's important to know that, like, you're not alone. Like, you're not alone in that feeling. Comics out there who maybe feel like they're alone in the, the highs and lows of this. Everyone goes through it. I mean, that's why I love doing the podcast. You Speaking of crashing is I interviewed Nate Bargatze, yep. who literally... Was crashing. Like, yeah, he said he was crashing. Like he was, he went to New York with Pete. They were outside that comedy club barking together. Like he is a, a testament of someone who started there and is now selling out theaters multiple nights, like a weekend in the same place. Yeah. But it all, he all started with that barking and just no one caring. And is this worth it type deal? So whatever level you're at, everyone. I think that's why comedians have such a connection. There's like a camaraderie with us because we are in this together in the sense of we're all out here doing this thing that no one really understands. No one really can grasp unless they do it themselves. All most people see is that finally to Netflix special. <laughs> it lasts an hour, but people don't see the hundreds of hours that went into yeah, developing that comedy special exactly yeah so we all go through those feelings and crashing is a very um it's a really good show to show that side of comedy of course that reality of being out at open mics, being misunderstood what am i like what am i even doing here type deal yeah it's everyone goes through that
0: yeah absolutely i i definitely agree with that i want to you know i i know you've answered this question a couple of times in the past and other podcasts but just for my listeners that may not know, what made you start the Hot Breath podcast?
1: Oh, man. Oh, I love I love this because it really started out as a show. I talked about I started in Atlanta. So it started out as a a platform to interview Atlanta comedians. And I enjoyed it so much that it really just grew into now this international comedy community. It's really like a comedy education platform. Yeah and i what it root of it really was was i created the show i wanted to hear a lot of comics had podcasts especially at that time and there's there's a few now that are more like comedy education centric and things like that but overall it's mostly just comedians trying to out funny each other sure. or riffing on specific topics and things like that you know riffing on news and things like that but the show i wanted to hear was the process like all my favorite moments in my favorite podcasts were when they were nerding out about how they wrote that joke or how they booked that late night spot well, i thought let me uh create the show i want a comedy interview podcast with well-researched interviews with well-respected comedians and it started out interviewing a couple of my friends, that then grew them referred me to bigger comedians, that then grew into over two hundred interviews with listeners all around the world.
0: It's so incredible, man. I mean how long have you been doing hot breath? I mean, it's been
1: a yeah. long time, right? Five uh five years.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, man. I mean, I've been doing this I would say maybe a year. And Ooh, I love it man. Great. I love I love it like nobody's business. And it's funny, as you were talking about that, how I have a very similar story. However, I'm such a podcast nerd, like I love podcasts in general. In fact, I, I remember the first time we talked, you were like, how did you hear about hot breath? I was like, I don't even know, man. I just I love oh. podcasts so much. And mm-hmm. I was just listening and I was like, well, this is what I need to listen to every week now. And that's it. Oh. You know, like that's just what it was love it. And in, in fact, you know, I started a year ago and, and it's just like there's so many podcasts like like there's there's four podcasts happening in my own house. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> so many podcasts like Is everyone has house? a podcast, dude, like my freaking dog has a podcast. Like it's ridiculous, you know, so Is that true. No it's not Oh I
1: believe you, you <laughs> said four in your house at some yeah. point You know the light bulbs have to have a show or something
0: Yeah for sure man well I'm an actor So <laughs> that's why it was so believable No, <laughs>
1: Like remember I'm from LA girl yeah. I started that in LA never, you know, no big deal. <laughs> I went method there I really grew from personal experience <laughs> Of living in a house Yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it Yeah, mm. it,
0: uh, Yeah it's funny because Like When I started, I almost didn't know what I wanted to do because I was just like, Mm -hmm. everything's been talked about, you know, but my favorite podcasts through and through were always just whether it was actors, musicians, whatever, talking about what they love and just like nerding out about things. And something that I brought to it that I think is different is like I fell in love. I I, just in personal conversations, I I like finding out how people grew up. Like, I I really Mm, think that that's important. I think it's yeah. important for who you become and I also like to wonder if the child version of you would think that you're cool if they met you you know what I mean like I think that's a really important yeah. question you know yeah. because then you actually know if you're happy with what you're doing you know like that kind of thing and that's why I started this whole thing and of course you know I brought cereal and all that stuff just because it's a it's a hook and you know whatever you know and but it's delicious. Uh, but at the end of the day like I'm you know, we're all just doing, we're all just copying Mark
1: Maron, you know? but <laughs> yeah. well, That's why it's important. Like you saying, there being so many podcasts right now and I'll do podcasting workshops and I'll do Skype coaching sessions with people that are trying to find like their audience in their podcast or just figuring out even how to start one. And the number one, like advice is like, yeah, create the show you want to create. At this point, there are so many podcasts. There's, uh, I believe 750,000 podcasts on iTunes now. So at this point, the the metric for success is not let me become Joe Rogan. The metric of success is let you find your audience by creating your unique show. So you have a unique angle with it. You're not trying to do just another, just general discussion podcast, childlike at best. You know, when you emailed me, you had a specific vision and reason why you wanted me on there. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, what I do with my podcast is it's not just another comedian's podcast. On here, you know, we get to talk about comedy in a very competent way, which is really what comedians love to do. It's what comedians do a lot of the times in green rooms and things like that. So I'm just giving us a platform to really document these great comedy minds and their process that a lot of people don't normally have access to. Yeah, it's so it funny. all starts with that. What show do you wish existed and then create it?
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that, man, because like more than anything, that's really what I feel, especially lately when I listen to Hot Breath, where it just it feels like I'm backstage and everybody's just talking about the craft. And that's like one of the reasons why I love it, you know, because it just it's especially especially as a comedian, you know, it's just. It's kind of like it's kind of like a a magician, you know, who listens to to podcasts about magic, you know, of course, where it's just like, yeah, dude, that that trick is pretty hard. But I mean, I know it's I know it's hard because I try to do it, you know, like that kind of thing. like It's almost like, you know, the tricks or whatever, but it's just kind of cool as to like. Oh, but this is his take on that trick or, or that kind of thing. You know, that's what it feels like to me. I think I've heard you say this before, which is like the perfect elevator pitch for hot breath. If no one's heard it is it is inside the actor's studio for comedians. Yeah. And that is just yeah. the most accurate way of putting it. Like I absolutely love it. I would be remiss if we didn't talk about Trophy Husband. I want to talk uh, about <laughs> yeah, okay. I want to talk about the special, man. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> as much as you can or as much as you want to get into, like what yeah. what was the inspiration for it? That kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean I've I released it on my 10 year comedy anniversary. Uh, which is February 1st of 2020. And I knew I wanted to record an album. Actually, my goal in 2019 was to record a comedy album Mm -hmm. because I was really starting to think about my career and what I was wanting to do with it. And I like, I want to be a great comedian. So what do great comedians have? Well, they have an album. So I made that my goal for 2019. And then a listener of the podcast actually heard this and was like, you know... I have a production company. We can just make this thing a special. So it kind of really quickly evolved into this is no longer an album. This is a full-blown comedy special we're going to be shooting. Thanks to the Hot Breathiverse, a fan of the podcast was like, no, let's make this a comedy special. Let's do it right. So it all started from me wanting to record an album. And that's the easy part. You know, Now it's like, where's it going to be? What are you going to do in it? All of that. But it all started with... Let me get out of my comfort zone. Let me keep pushing myself. Let me document this decade of work I've put in into a piece of art that I can be proud of. So it actually was ended up being recorded at this place in Atlanta called the Basement Theater, which is actually the first place that ever headlined me back in the day. It's called the trophy husband and I'm, I'm wearing my suit from my wedding Mm -hmm. in the special. There's my wife and dog are sitting on the front row. My friend, Stephen Fine, that we mentioned earlier, he actually flew into town to be one of the camera operators on it. Oh, wow. It's, there's a lot of fun Easter eggs within it that I wanted to make it more than just your standard, you know, polished Netflix special. I really wanted to show. Like I talk about a lot, the reality of comedy, which is just that raw, funny. There's no sweeping crane shots and like big, broad audience, like reaction shots. You know, it's a four camera setup. We, I mean, we, we did it the right way. You know, it was shot in 4K. Like we, we made sure that this was shot to the same standards as those, but we wanted to bring back the intimate experience of comedy, which is like tight, intimate and just funny you just straight up just funny from top to bottom and i could not be more proud of what ended up happening with it all the way down to even i forget my jokes at one point i leave that in you know we forgot to set up a camera at the beginning so we had to retake the opening i left all of it in just because i want it to be authentic i want it to be real because i think that's comedy at its best is when it is authentic and real of course and not this completely polished, untainted comedy special that these comics are like recording these things like five times and they're just piecing together only what they want you to see. But I wanted to show everyone kind of that fly on the wall of that stand up process, just like my podcast. Here it is in a comedy special that is really I mean, the feedback has been amazing. So many people have just been sharing their favorite moments of it and their favorite quotes of it. And it it makes it gives me goosebumps again talking about it like that show at that church getting to talk about the comedy special and reliving that night has really been the highlight of my career.
0: Yeah, man, and not to mention, I mean you you kind of you kind of glossed over it, uh, but what I was gonna say it's it's almost pretty awesome that there are some things that happen where like you forget your joke or there's a camera that isn't set up and all that stuff. Personally, you know, maybe this is the the singer songwriter brain in me. It's amazing that you call that trophy husband because what wedding is perfect? There's always something that goes wrong at a wedding and you leave it as like, yeah, it's imperfect, but that's what makes it perfect is the fact that it's imperfect because it's
1: real. That's what makes it real, exactly. exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, and, and, I, and I love that, man. I, I think it's, I think it's absolutely amazing.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate, yeah, you supporting and getting it. It's, of course, uh, man. Yeah, the labor of love.
0: Yeah, it's, it's great. So, just to and which, by the way, thank you so much for your time and for talking to me. And this is,
1: Mike, this of course, is a huge. Dude. I was thrilled that you reached out to me.
0: Yeah, man. Well, I was thrilled that you answered. This is a huge deal for me. <laughs> I'm going to ask you this because we glossed over it and I, and I'm just interested in what your answer would be. Do you think that the child version of you would think that you're cool if, if they met today? I have
1: to say yes. And when you said that, that really, I had never looked at it that way. And I was taking a moment of like pause inside. When you said that, I was like, that makes me really proud to say it almost makes you want to cry right like i Dude, i actually do feel because yes. <laughs> it does like now that i'm 32 and you saying that really resonated with me i like wow you know what i would think i'm cool which really makes me like it adds a whole new level of gratitude for where i am now and a whole new appreciation for just where i'm Planning to go with my life is yeah, I am on the right track. My my kid self who is like sitting there, like the my first official gig was actually my mom tells me at a church where I stole the microphone during, and this was like maybe even before I was in school, I stole the microphone during a church play and started babbling into it. <laughs> and apparently it killed. Still my best gig to date, but <laughs> it uh that kid would think the the grown-up now is still cool and that that's that's very gratifying i appreciate you for um sharing that moment
0: of course man i mean honestly i think that that question which the the only thing i if i were honest with you i wish that i remembered to ask everyone this question because it's like it's one of the things that helps me it's just personally like once i Mm -hmm. thought about it i was like Man, that is so accurate because I do a bunch of other things other than comedy. You know, I I'm an actor, I I'm a singer-songwriter, I'm a whole bunch of stuff. And when I do these when I go to auditions or whatever the case, and I'm like, man, I'm never gonna get this, and I'm not good enough. And, you know, you're constantly being reminded that you that you're not good enough. And sometimes it really helps to remember that the child version of you would be like, you're getting auditions. That's awesome. Right. You know what I mean? Or even like, oh, yeah, I got two callbacks, but I didn't get the gig where it's like the child version of you would be like, whoa, man, you made it that far. Like, you should at least be proud of that. You know, it really is a a really important way of looking at things. At least I think so. Now, just to ask you the last question before I let you go here. I've been asking this to all of my guests during the quarantine, just because I'm curious, where mm-hmm. is the first place or the first thing you're going to do once this whole quarantine thing is over comedy aside
1: and things like that? Like just, of I, course. just- I, I think it's really a visiting family. Um, oh really? Okay. I, yeah. I mean, I was just, it was mother's day this past week. So I was talking to my mother and I was talking to my grandmother mm-hmm. and just I really think visiting family has become my like top priority. As we've been doing like Zoom calls with each other. What's funny is my mom and sisters and I actually did a Zoom conference, and you can screen share in Zoom, so we actually watched my comedy special in a Zoom conference. I love it. <laughs> um, and getting to talk to to my in laws as well, and they're they're up in Tennessee, and you can only really see them through a screen. And as really visiting them, I think. We've even like talked about like, I mean, could we, could we just make a trip and what would it really matter? It's kind of like we, there's still so many unknowns. Nobody knows how long this is going to be. Nobody really knows the severity of what's happening and what the, what's at stake. And it's like, technically we could probably visit family and it'd be okay. But the the only surefire way it's okay is if we don't, you know what I mean? And that, that kind of, black and white decision of you could go, but then you could put them at risk or yourself at risk versus well then don't go and no one's at risk. It's like, uh, that's really as like my first thing I want to do is really like go and visit family and really just connect with like humans again. Of course, because man. Been so intimately connected with now there's there's still like this now a screen between you. And I'm so, so grateful to have my wife and dog that I'm contractually obligated to mention in every podcast, <laughs> but I'm so grateful to have them during all this. So that's been super helpful and supportive, but we both do feel the same way. of like, it would be nice to you know visit family.
0: Of course, man. I mean, and something that I've noticed just on a personal level, like I've been doing a lot of walks lately. Like I, I yeah. walk like five to 10 miles a day and you would think that eye contact gives the coronavirus to people
1: because <laughs> it's just <laughs> like,
0: my God, no one's even looking at you. <laughs> like, oh, when, dude,
1: <laughs> people it, in my neighborhood are wearing masks yeah. and still walking around. It's 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 an interesting time, but it's uh it's an I mean, in some degree, it is an exciting time to be alive in terms of like we're experiencing this and we're really seeing what possible within this and making the best of a bad situation and seeing people come together, but it's still I, so new and unknown.
0: I've talked about it on the podcast before, but the silver lining in this whole thing is that there is something kind of special about the fact that the entire world is going through the same thing right now.
1: Yeah, that is a good point.
0: So it, you know, it's, it's the first time where it's like, cause even, even things like September 11th, like it was just America you know, like it wasn't mm-hmm. the whole world. So like everyone really kind of knows where what you're feeling, you know, like and everyone understands cabin fever. Like everyone, you know, right. understands that they have why, you know, how weird it is that they have to put a mask on, you know, to go to the grocery store or whatever the case. It's a crazy time, but we're going to get through it, I think. I you agree. Know? Yeah. yeah and once food. we do. We can start doing shows again because God only knows how much I miss it, man. I I miss being on stage. I miss seeing people and hearing people laugh. You know. Yeah,
1: yeah. This was um. We we did. I've been doing since we are quarantining. I've been doing a lot of live Q and A's with comics and like live streaming them in, into uh, still posting on this podcast and on YouTube, but live streaming them into the Hot Breath Facebook group so members can ask these comics questions and someone had asked Mark Norman about like, if he thinks coronavirus is good or bad for comedy. And he was like, it's going to weed out a lot of the weak ones. Like pretty much like people who still want to do this after this entire quarantine are the ones that are really into comedy for comedy and not for some, you know, just kind of dead end street of, well, I saw it on TV and I want to do it. Yeah. You know, those people are going to be gone, which I think is a good way to look at it. Yeah. because it's. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people want to try comedy, and I encourage everyone to try it. If you've ever thought about it, you never truly know until you get on stage what that experience is like. So I've heard, if you've ever thought about it, even the director of my special, he's in the MMA world, but um, he loves comedy. That's why he listens to Hot Breath. But he tried it once. He followed me around for a few weeks leading up to it. So mm-hmm. the special just documenting how I prepared my sets and how I really got organized up to it so it's really a documentary that we just we had cut together the special and then we didn't get to the documentary yet but long story short he tried it in an open mic and his first joke missed and he hasn't done it since so I'm just <laughs> gonna say this is an MMA fighter who was like yo that's scary you know, I'll be locked in a cage and punch him on the face but telling a joke to strangers in a room that's scary so anyone that wants to try it try it but uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna weed out a lot of the weak ones on yeah. this. Uh,
0: Tom Segura actually talked about this on a podcast where it's like when we get started again, there's gonna be a week or two where comics just suck, <laughs> you know. And, and oh yeah, it's it's almost like all comedians are just hitting the reset button a little
1: bit. Yeah, because like we said at the beginning of this, is like the number one piece of advice was you have to get on stage mm-hmm. because comedy is this language. That you can really only practice on stage in front of an audience. Like mm-hmm. a mirror, doesn't speak the language. It has to be from an audience. So we're all out of practice with it right now. So it will be interesting as we all come back and just start bombing. <laughs> that <Then>, um, <laughs> it'll be a fun time for everyone.
0: Yeah, man, I I can't wait. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the oh. audiences will appreciate it. I think audiences are hungry for comedy as well. I so. Agree. I think we'll meet in the middle in terms of comics out of practice, but then audience just desperate for comedy and having that live communal experience of a live comedy show. So I think we'll meet in the middle and still have some good shows going on while us comics get our sea legs back.
0: Yeah, man, this is it, man. This was this has been an episode, man. Oh man, my, yeah. this is great. Uh, why don't you go ahead
1: and and tell people where they can find you online? Oh yeah, of course. So we the number one place if you enjoyed me and would like to more of me in my stand-up the comedy special is going to become your best friend as you crave comedy this will quench your comedy thirst it's available on my website that's not the tagline by the way (laughs) but it's uh, my wife's in the other room like really this is how he's going to dismount from the interview this is the big the big pitch and he just blew it (laughs) prove my wife wrong and order the comedy special It's on my website, joelbyerscomedy.com, J-O-E-L-B-Y-A-R-S, comedy.com. It's the first thing you see. Just click, order the special. You're not going to regret it. I've put 10 years of hard work into this comedy special. Mike can attest, he's seen it. It is funny. But it's also a project I put together to inspire other people to invest in themselves. Now more than ever in quarantine, people have thought about doing like a side jewelry business or put together like an Etsy store for their doilies or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, now's the time to listen to that voice in the back of your head and make sure that the child self that we talk about would be happy to where you are. And this special was put together to inspire people to listen to that voice. So joelbyerscomedy.com, it's pay what you want, whatever you think I'm worth, Go support it. And the podcast is called Hot Breath Podcast. It's available on wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, And it's also available on YouTube.
0: I love it. And on Instagram, it's Joel Byers Comedy, correct?
1: Joel Byers Comedy and Hot Breath Pod on all social media.
0: Awesome, mm-hmm. man. So for me, you can find me on Instagram at Mike Valdez. You can go to Twitter and I am at... I am Mike Valdez. You can go to whoismikevaldez.com to find out the answer to that question. Yeah. And yeah, if you want to listen to my music, you can go on Spotify, Apple Music. It's Mike Valdez and the Noise. The name of the album is Dreamer. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen. This has been an episode. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe. Tell all of your friends so we can grow this family. Bye, besties yeah we did
1: it <laughs> great interview man that was very very good nice thanks, job Mike. man one of like your your kids thinking you're cool or not i was like man that <laughs> is a good one dude. thanks man i really love that that was, a, that was a fun moment i
0: definitely think that it's really important that we talk about things like that because it can get us out of the valleys and it can make us really appreciate the hills totally so agree that was a geek bro podcast For more podcasts like this one, visit geekbro.net.